Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the senior pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Father, we just pray that your spirit will continue to reveal Jesus to us this morning. Your spirit will enlighten our hearts. Lord, that as we leave this place, we will leave challenged, we will leave envisioned, we will leave with a little more of you in our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. The text for this morning is the purpose of Pentecost. My reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or you could look at the screen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which, God, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, eleven people is not a big congregation. After three years of ministry, Jesus meets with how many people? Just eleven people. And Jesus appointed them to meet on that mountain in Galilee, and when they saw him alive, this was after his resurrection. So three years, or three and a half years, they saw the miracles, been with Jesus, heard his teaching. And now Jesus is appearing to them after his resurrection. And look what the Bible says. That out of the eleven, some worshipped and some doubted. You know, when I read that, I felt very encouraged. You will always have some doubting. Don't be disappointed by that. And if Jesus appearing to them alive can have someone to doubt, we shouldn't panic over, I shared the gospel and they doubted. No problem. Even Jesus shared the gospel. He shared his life, his own resurrection, and they doubted. But then look what Jesus says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And when I say all, it means that every bit of authority in the heavenly realms and on the earthly realms was given to Jesus. That's his declaration. And if all authority is given to Jesus, then Satan has no authority. Can somebody shout an amen? Because all authority is in Jesus Christ, in heaven and on earth. And he's declaring to them, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Not some nations, all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. <clears throat> when Jesus spoke about the nations, what was Jesus referring to? The nations is about people. All that God thinks about is people. All that God cares about is people. Because God loves people. And if we're going to be a blessing in this world, we must think people. Anne and I are constantly thinking people. We, every day we hear people who are hurting People who are struggling in their lives, we understand their pain to a certain extent. But that's the reality of the world we live in. 
The reason we have Radiant High School, because it's about people, people who deserve a better chance in life. We run the nine-day schools of healing and deliverance. Why? It's about people. People who want to break free from their past. People who want to experience freedom from the bondages that they've lived in. We train people for ministry because it's our mandate to reach out to as many people as we can. So if you're thinking about ministry, you need to think people. People. That's God's heart. That's his heartbeat. People. Ministry is about reaching people that God wants to reach. We spend so much of our time thinking about our careers, about money, about how we can have a better life, that we have very little room in our hearts to think about people. The one thing that was on Jesus' heart before and after his resurrection is people. And that's the only vision he wanted us to go into this world and make disciples. Now making disciples and making decisions are two different things. Making disciples, the word make is a process. It involves our effort, it involves commitment, it involves our, uh, everything. It's, it, it involves money. You make something. It doesn't happen overnight. And God has called us to make disciples of the nations. A disciple is one who embraces the Lordship of Jesus and gives Jesus their 100% commitment. That's a disciple. There are many followers but few disciples. But Jesus didn't ask to make followers or people who make decisions. He says, invest your life, go into this world and make disciples. And like I said, doesn't happen over time. Making decisions is easy. And people can decide one day to follow Jesus, the next day they can follow someone else or something else. Why? Because it's not backed up with their commitment. Why is making disciples such a big thing in the kingdom of God? Because every person in this world are eternal beings. I'm going to say that again. Every single human being on the face of the earth are eternal beings. People are not just body, but every person is a spirit and we live for eternity. Every single person. Whether you're in the church, out of the church, believer or non-believer, every single person that's on this world is a spirit being. Now they may not understand it, but that's true. That's a reality. So when we die, it's our body that dies. Our spirit is eternal. So when a person gives their life to Jesus, their spirit is eternal that goes on to live with Jesus forever and ever after their body dies. But when a person dies in their sin, then their spirit goes into eternal darkness totally separated from God with no hope, and that's what hell is all about. A person defined hell as the absence of God's character. And I like that definition for hell. Hell is the absence of God's character. And he goes on to say, if you take love out of this world, kindness out of this world, goodness out of this world, 
peace out of this world. That's what hell is all about. And so hell is the absence of God and his character. And so when a person dies, their spirit will either go into eternal, everlasting life or eternal separation. So as long as people are, are alive, God wants everyone to have an opportunity to make the decision on their destination. But God's dream is that the nations will receive his forgiveness. His dream is that the nations will be eternally with him. So the real question this morning is, how do we go about making disciples? And I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1 verse 3 to 8 if you're reading your Bibles. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 to 8. And Jesus appearing to the disciples after his resurrection, he says this, he says this, the Bible says this in verse 3. Jesus also presented himself alive. That's nice. I like that. Jesus presented himself alive after his death, after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, by seen, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. None of them expected to see Jesus. They knew that Jesus died. They knew that Jesus was buried, but it was so important for them to know that Jesus is now alive. And so Jesus presented himself alive with many infallible proofs for 40 days. The word infallible means beyond doubt. That's the meaning of the word infallible. Incapable of being wrong. And Jesus presented himself alive. If Jesus didn't present himself alive after his resurrection, then Christianity would have been another philosophy. The Bible would have been a book of good ideas and some good teaching. But Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is putting our faith in the risen Lord. Now Jesus wants to present himself alive through us. And that's the purpose of Pentecost. He wants to present himself alive through you and through me. Everything we preach will be absolutely useless if Jesus wasn't alive. And so it goes on to say in verse 4, And Jesus being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now why did Jesus tell them, okay, go into all the nations and make disciples, but before you go, wait in Jerusalem. He wanted them to wait for the promise of the Father because Jesus knew the making of disciples cannot be done with human effort. It is impossible for any man to make disciples out of his carnality. 
A disciple is a making of God in an individual's lives through human beings, through others. And I like to say that. Discipleship is a making of God through other individuals because God is the one that brings transformation in their lives. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you know at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is none of your business. That's what he meant. In short, none of your business. You know, you see, Jesus is zeroing on the whole aspect of the nations. And anything is on Jesus' heart. It's people and nations. Nations is people. People are nations. That's what the Bible speaks of. And I mean, you hear the word nations, don't think, okay, I'll buy my ticket and travel now. Which, which nation to go to? Nations are people. And God wants to reach people. And he will reach people through you and me. Look what he says. When he's introducing them to a worldwide mission... They're thinking about when he will restore the kingdom. There are too many people who are preoccupied of when Jesus will come. They've forgotten their responsibility of what to do while he's not coming. Can somebody shout an amen? And so easy to be preoccupied. Jesus will come whenever he has to come. Let's get on with the job. Let's finish what he's given us to do. Let's redeem the time when it's at hand. And then he goes on to say in verse 8. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem is a city. In all Judea. Cities. Samaria. Another city. And to the ends of the earth. The purpose of Pentecost is to empower us to see cities turn to Christ. Can somebody shout an amen? Come on, get excited this morning. Now, many of us have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But we have failed to understand the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many of us think it's like a certification course. I got saved I am baptized with the Holy Spirit and I can speak in other tongues full stop. The purpose of the of Pentecost is to see salvation for the nations. To see salvation for cities. People turning to God. That's the purpose of salvation. Now when Jesus spoke about them receiving power, Jesus was not referring to power like electricity power. You see, if power is like electricity, then we can have control over it. We can control the power. We can channel it in whichever way we want to. But Jesus, when he said, you shall receive power, he meant about a person and not something else. If power is like electricity, then it can be controlled. But if power is a person, then he can control us and we can submit to him. And that's the whole dynamic of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. It leads us to a place of surrender to him. We don't have him, he has us. We yield to him. 
For what reason? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we will be able to present Jesus alive with infallible proofs. There is a testimony when someone accepts Jesus Christ. There is a transformation. It's an infallible proof that God has touched somebody's heart. No philosophy can do that. No psychiatrist can do that. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can transform an individual's life. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can use ashes and turn them into beauty. Brokenness into a place of wholeness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So power is not some thing. Power is a person. And we see that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 to 36. The Bible says, People begged Jesus that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched it, they were made perfectly well. Can you see the source of power? The power flowed from Jesus. He is power. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The more of Jesus we have, the more power we will have. Are you with me this morning? And I trust that every time we worship together, we are receiving something more of who Jesus is and the power of His Spirit that empowers us not only to live the life, but to demonstrate the life of Jesus. Now it is our mandate to present Jesus alive to the world we live in. And the only way we could do it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to see that God has a bigger vision for our lives than what we have. And God can use an individual to bring about a transformation in a city. He needs just an individual who will be yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. God trusted you, trusted me with His Holy Spirit. Not to sit and speak in tongues, but to go and demonstrate being a witness. Witness of what? Witness of His resurrection. How do you do it? In the power of the Holy Spirit. We are witnesses. Because we have tasted the resurrected power and we have seen the working of God in our life. We become witnesses to His resurrection. God has called us to declare that. Next year we're planning our third service. And uh, we, I want you to pray for that. I'm planning that in January. It'll be an evening service from 5 to 7. And uh, I'm excited about it. And the reason why we're starting the third service is because this is our mandate. And whatever energy we have, we will give it. Because there are people who need to hear the truth. And if lives are being transformed, I don't want place to be a limitation. I want God to bring transformation in the lives of people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what connects. Now, if you want to write this down, you can write it down. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what connects the ministry of Jesus 
in the body of a Jew from Nazareth to the ministry of Jesus in people like you and me. You like that? You can say, I like that. You truly do? I'll read it again then. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what connects the ministry of Jesus in the body of a Jew from Nazareth to the ministry of Jesus in people like you and me. We are now his followers. Now that's what Christianity is. Someone said this. I think T.L. Osborne said this. He says, God wants our body and we need his spirit. The combination of we giving God our body and him and we receiving his spirit is what makes a Christian. You like that definition of a Christian? He doesn't have a body, we give him a body. We don't have a spirit, we give a good exchange. I think it's a good deal that God made with us. He takes our body, we have his spirit. That makes a Christian. I think we need to redefine what Christianity is with all the mess going around. People will hear our voice, but it is his words. People will feel our embrace, but it is his love. People will feel our touch, but it is his power that heals and restores individuals. The word that was in Jesus' mouth is now the word in our mouth. When you believe it. Can you see what Jesus has done? Can you see the heart of the gospel? And that's what Jesus is calling you and me to be. I'm going to look at one transformation of how Jesus wanted to impact a city. Okay, and this is interesting. Here's an example in John chapter 4, verse 39 to 42. Very familiar passage. I start talking about it, you already know the passage. But I'm going to briefly run through and highlight the importance of it. It says in John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus needed to go to Samaria. Now, why did he need to go to Samaria? Have a holiday? Did he need to go to Samaria because he wanted to see the countryside in Samaria? I know many people go on mission trips because they want to see another place. And they choose their locations where to go conveniently. But Jesus wanted to go to Samaria. It says needed to go to Samaria. He goes to Samaria and he meets an ordinary Samaritan woman sitting at the well. You know that story? You all know that story? I thought so. He gets into a conversation with her. He then tells her to go and call her husband. And the woman says, I have no husband. And then Jesus reveals the secret of our heart saying, Look, you have five husbands and the man that you're staying with is, is not your husband. And that shocks her. And that's a word of knowledge. That was something that cut through our heart. And this is Jesus' dialogue and interaction with one single woman at the well. In verse 26 of that chapter, Jesus reveals himself to her as a Messiah. And her response was, 
she leaves her pot of water. Remember, she came to the well to get, to get water. She gets into this dialogue. She forgets her purpose, leaves her pot there, and then what does she do? She goes into the city and tells people about Jesus. Now, I want you to look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city, John chapter 4, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because the word of the woman who testified, the word in Jesus' mouth became the word in her mouth. Hallelujah. Now look at Jesus', his vision. Him going to Samaria was not for one woman. His going to Samaria is that through that one woman, a city will be impacted. And it says that, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. So you see what happens? The purpose of Pentecost is God revealing Jesus in you so that you will reveal Jesus to, the, uh, to a city. Impact the city. He chose that one woman because he had Samaria in his mind. He wanted to touch the Samaritans. He wanted the gospel to reach them. He wanted the kingdom to come to that place. How did he do it? Not by a crusade. He touched one broken life, transformed her life, and he says, now you, she becomes a witness. You know what? I, I'll pick this up on the house of prayer Friday when we, when we come together to prayer. I began to look at it as a strategy. God's strategy. He picks up one person, transforms their lives. They have an encounter with God. And that one person, many are in that city who come to knowing Jesus. How many people have you impacted in the city? Did you, did you think that God touched your life and revealed Jesus so that you can sit on your blessed assurance? And say, Jesus is mine? Do you think that one's salvation? You know what? Our salvation is bigger than you. Our salvation, the revelation of Jesus, is far bigger than what you could even think about. God had Bangalore City in his mind when he picked you and he picked me. I wish I knew this earlier. And we are thinking, Lord, you know, it's not my calling. You know, my calling is to put chairs in the, in the church. Thank God you put chairs at least. Some people don't even do that. So thank God you put chairs in the church. But you see, your calling, you don't need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to put chairs. A non-Christian can do that, but never mind. You are an anointed person to put chairs. And that's why the atmosphere is so nice. But you see... I don't want to despise that. It's valuable. What I'm going to say, the purpose of Pentecost is for the transformation of cities. Can you say that for me? Say that after me. The purpose of Pentecost, say it loudly, the purpose of Pentecost is for me to transform a city. Now, you're going to say that more convincingly. The purpose of Pentecost is to see the city transformed. No, I said that wrong. I'm going to repeat that again. The purpose of Pentecost it's for me to transform a city by the power of the Holy Spirit. You believe that? You see, you know why we don't transform our neighborhood? It's because we don't think people. 
We don't think people. If we think people as much as we thought about making money, there will be revival in Bangalore City. Who said hallelujah? Just shout that little loudly. Little loudly, brother. Hallelujah. You see, I know one thing. You just get the job done and the resources will follow. You just get the job done and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit will back you up. God's saying go. Someone said this. The most expensive word in the Bible is the word go. And it's true. The most expensive word in the Bible is go. It costs you time. It costs you money. It costs you some difficulties. Waiting at airports. Getting down. Sleepless nights. All of that. Go. Nowhere in the Bible it says sit or stay. It says go. The only time it says stay is when you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Put your hand up. Come on, put your hand up. Then God's word for you is go. Go. There are people in your workplace. There are people on the streets. There are people who are, who are longing for someone to bring hope into their lives. You know, we can't cope with the calls. I switch up some of the times. I'm human. I love people. Well, I can't cope with all of their problems. I can't go to bed with their problems and get up in the morning with their problems. I, I'll end up being a problem. Please, for God's sake, go. Jesus presented himself alive with infallible proofs. This same Jesus wants to present himself alive with many infallible proofs through you, through me, to the touch of Jesus Christ. If we could only allow him if we could only allow him to do it, if we could only hear what Jesus had to say about reaching the nations, about reaching the cities. I said this, every human being is an eternal being. It's only our bodies that die, our spirits are eternal. And God is saying, I want everyone in this world to be eternally with me. That's the purpose. That's why the preaching of the gospel, the making of disciples is a big thing in the heart of God. A big thing in the kingdom of God. You want one more? One more, one more. One more story in the Bible. Look at Luke chapter 8 verse 22. Luke chapter 8 verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they lodged out, Jesus and his disciples. Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. But he saw Jesus. He cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. 
for it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the, the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. <laughs> That's one person you don't want to visit. Are you listening to me? <laughs> you know, I like this. You know, one person's creatures, you can see the whole church, and they're wishing, wishing, looking for the closest exit. And I think to myself, Lord, this is supposed to be your army. One scream and they're running, oh God, please help your army. I tell you, God's got a lot of work to do on us. You see, we lack revelation. Revelation. Look, a man with no clothes, bound with chains, driven by many demons, is a man that Jesus loves. Is a man that Jesus loves. We may despise, but God never despises people. He never writes off people. Look what happens in this story. Now the man from whom the demons had departed, they, the demons left, begged him that he might be with them. So this man is saying, look, Jesus, don't go, be with me. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Here's the punchline. And he went his way and plucked proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. So you know what Jesus says? I go to the other side. For what? You think for that one man? Jesus had in mind the city. And he says, if I could only touch this one man, the city will be saved. There's hope in the city. Salvation comes into the city. What did God dream when he touched you? You ever thought of it? When God touched you, revealed his son Jesus in you, he had a city, he had people in mind. And he says, through you and your testimony, will people come to know Jesus. You like his strategy? You like his strategy? And I see it all in, all through the Bible. When God is ministering to one person, He's got a bigger picture. He's got the city in mind. He's got the nations in mind. This is God's promise for us. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6. God wants to make us a light for the nations. He says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Now you know what he's saying. Too small a thing to concentrate only on the tribe of Israel. Too small a thing. You, you're, you're called to be my servant, but it's too small a thing to focus only on one tribe. And then God says this, I will make you as a light for the nations. You like to say after me, God will make me for a, a light for the nations. Goes on to say, that my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. God has made a covenant with us, church. God has made a covenant with us. It took time for us to see it. But the covenant that God has made with us as a church is that we as a people belonging to God will be a light to this nation. And I'm glad of what God is doing. 
the way he is touching people right across this nation. We become a place of hope for the hopeless. It's amazing. People call when they're in trouble. Why? Because they find hope in this place. This is not only for them, it's for us. How we embrace it is important. God will make you a light for the nations and my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I'm going to show you a video. Many of you have been here when Peter Butt had shared and preached with Pastor Basil. Am I right? How many of you are here? A lot of us were here. We did the seminar. He did the seminar on the Holy Spirit. He shared something with me that provoked my heart, stirred my heart, and I couldn't get over it. And I've listened to it over and over and over again. I want you to see this video of what he shared. I asked him to, say, to share it, and I recorded it because it's a blessing. And I put up the lights, and I want you to listen to this video, and then I'll share with you what I felt in my heart. Yeah, while I was in South Africa, I had an extraordinary uh, experience of visiting um, some special meetings that have been Can taking place bank? for some three years now in, in the Black Township just outside of Peter Maritzburg. Uh, the guy that's kind of leading these gatherings, his name is Pulu, M-P-U-L-O. Five years ago, when he was in his mid-50s, he had an encounter with Jesus. He lived in a place called Pine Town. It's about 30 miles away. And uh, he had a radical experience of salvation and was just passionate for God, for the gospel. Was filled with the Holy Spirit and was a businessman, part of a local Assemblies of God church. Um, but he, he just beca began to become aware that God was calling him to something else made himself available to God, and God began to talk to him. And uh, on one occasion, God said to him, um, I want you to go to, uh, to Peter Maritzburg. I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And uh, so he got on a taxi, got in a taxi, paid his fare, and went to Peter Maritzburg. Uh, he met somebody on the street who was sick. He said, can I pray for you? He prayed for them. They were healed instantly. And uh, that resulted in other people gathering around. And so he um, got hold of a, a, a small garage, uh, the size of a normal garage attached to a house just for one car. And he started uh, holding gatherings uh, every morning at eight o'clock. And God began to work. God began to move. People began to get healed. And uh, the word began to go around and God said some very distinct things to him. He said he wasn't to start a church and God said to him, you mustn't advertise this. You mustn't have photographs taken of yourself. All the glory must go to me. You mustn't promote this, publish any literature. Uh, and so from that time, he's been obedient to God. And God began to bless this work, grow it, grow it. He went from one building to another till when I went last November, uh, he was in a massive ex-car warehouse, just this enormous great building, nothing attractive about it at all, just a platform and 3,000 chairs in this massive warehouse. And uh, I arrived in the middle of uh, preaching, um, and what he does is every day, uh, because all the churches in that township 
uh, attend and a part of these meetings because he has made a commitment to do what God said. He's not starting a church, but every day from eight o'clock, Monday to Saturday, they hold gatherings. Sometimes they finish at 10, sometimes 11, sometimes go on till into the afternoon. He just is open to the Lord and wants to follow the Holy Spirit. So the morning we arrived, we arrived after it had started and there was a guy preaching and I said to the fellow who took me, uh, uh, is this him? He said, oh no, this is one of the pastors because every day one of the pastors is invited to speak. Uh, they don't know they're going to be invited so they have to come prepared uh, and they preach the gospel every day. So he finished preaching the gospel, he appealed and about 30 people came to the front to receive salvation and uh, turned to my friend again uh, who was interpreting for me because it was all in Zulu in South Africa and I said does that happen every day he said oh at least 30 people every day for the last number of years have been saved so thousands and thousands of people have been saved and so they preached the gospel they appealed for salvation and then this guy sat down and this fellow stood up just a short guy quite well built um, he was wearing a kind of stripy uh, t-shirt and a pair of ordinary trousers and a pair of uh, sports shoes, you know, like trainers. Um, and he takes the mic and he begins to sing. And the moment he began to sing, the band began to play just a couple of instruments, a guitar and a, uh, a keyboard, and the presence of God just came down. It was good before on the guy preached well but the moment he stood up and began to worship it was like God came in a very powerful way and from that moment on for the next couple of hours I just watched extraordinary things I've never seen a man operate uh, at this level in this way the chairs are set out so that there are passageways all all around the building and he would walk around the worship's going on he holds a white a baton, you know, the conductor's stick in his hand, and uh, and from so he's walking around the building and he's kind of conducting everything from there. And so the worship team are just watching him, and uh, and he goes around, he walks around, the worship's going on, and then he'll just touch somebody, he'll, he'll find somebody, he'll just touch them on the shoulder or take them by the arm, lead them to the front. And so I'm watching this going on, and it's quite impressive, and he just moves around, and, and then there were about a dozen people at the front, um, and uh, he came back out, and he would say, uh, right, all, and he didn't say a word to these people, he said, right, all of you people have got problems with, uh, with your ears, uh, uh, you're all deaf, and uh, they would acknowledge that, and uh, he would get somebody to pray, put his hands on their head, and they're all instantly healed, their, their deaf ears are open. Just extraordinary. Then, then he, he moves around again, and uh, he, he he was pointing to a number of young people, and he was telling them to get out the front. And uh, one young man wouldn't move, and he said, "Well," and he stopped the worship, and he just said, "Well," he said, "I I believe that all these young people, I am I am uh, drawing to the front." He said, "The Holy Spirit is showing me that they're all living in rebellion to their parents and need to repent of their." Uh, of their rebellion and need to get right with God and he said this young man is uh, is resisting uh, uh, and he said so he said I'm just going to speak to him so he spoke to him and he said to this young man he said if you are if you are not in rebellion to your parents you stay sitting where you are I've made a mistake 
He said, but if you are and you stay where you are, you're missing an incredible opportunity to have an encounter with the living God. And tears began to flow around this young man's face and he rushed to the front. And, uh, and by the end, anyway, of this little episode, there were about 25 people at the front. Again, he called somebody up, somebody prayed. He went round, laid hands, just touched their heads. And as he touched their heads, power of God hit these young people and they just began to weep and repent and sort their lives out and we worshipped again and we sang another couple of songs and then he would walk around again now and again he would stop and uh, and just share something that he felt God was saying of a prophetic nature uh which just real amazing insights he never preaches he just uh, shares little thoughts as he, he feels the Holy Spirit gives him he gets the pastors to preach and, uh, and then he goes around again and uh, he pulled out three people in wheelchairs and he gets them to the front uh, and they come to the front and he, he just goes to them and he just prays for them one by one. He doesn't tell them to do anything. He just lays hands on their heads and then he goes on and does something else. And, um, and there were three people out at the front in wheelchairs and um, we worshipped. About 20 minutes later, he come, comes back and he lays hands on their heads and just all three of them. He just lays hands on their heads and just... Uh, he just uh, carries on and we sing again and he deals with a couple of people who are sitting in their seats and, uh, then, he, and then he takes a man by the arm uh, and as, he, as, he, as the man stands up he begins to manifest demonic uh, possession, uh, oppression, whatever. And, and so he takes him to the front and this guy starts leaping around and then two, eventually he's got three people who are demonized just, just at the front of the meeting. Uh, and again, somebody comes out, prays, he just touches them and instantly they're delivered, set free. Amazing kind of manifestation of God's power. Then he goes to the wheelchair people again and he, he prays for them again. And then this time um, he, he just says to, the, uh, to, the, to one of the guys in the wheelchair, he said, did you feel anything? He said, well, yeah, I felt suddenly, about five minutes ago, I felt a warmth in my body. And he said, that's all right. God's just starting his work of healing. And then he goes to the other one and the other one and goes away again and he ministers to somebody else. And this goes on just for a couple of hours. And then he comes back. It's, so it's about an hour and a quarter. These guys in the wheelchairs have been out the front. And then he goes to this guy again. He says, I think you're ready now. And he lays hands on him again. And then he, he hasn't prayed or anything. He just laid hands on him there. And then he steps back from this guy in the wheelchair and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And this guy just gets out of the wheelchair and walks across the, across the front and back. And the young man who's wheeled this young guy in starts to weep, starts to cry. I mean, bawl, you know, makes this incredible, you know, just crying, whatever. And he's, he puts the mic under this young guy. He says, he says, who are you? He says, I, I'm this man's grandson. He said, he's my grandfather. He said, uh, I have never seen him walk. I'm 23. And from, the, from when I was born, I've never seen my grandfather walk. And he said, you know, it's the first time in 20 something years I've seen him walk. And so you know, just remarkable stuff. And then the other two people in the wheelchair, he goes to them, they get up, they walk, you know, and just miracle after miracle every day, Monday to Saturday. Uh, at least 30 people getting saved. Now, the, the main kind of thrust of their ministry and the, 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 the most significant miracles that are happening are amongst drug addicts. And so uh, they're telling me that 
thousands in the last two, three years, thousands of drug addicts have been instantly and totally set free. No cold turkey, no withdrawal symptoms, instantly set free from all kinds of drug addiction. And the, the brother I was with, Cliff Matemba, who's the pastor of the church, uh, one of the ladies in one of his congregations, her son, was in massive problems with drug addiction, massive problems. Uh, it got so bad that he had left the home and, and the mother couldn't have him in the home because he, he was so taken up with drug addiction that he was, he was becoming violent and it was just awful. And anyway, so uh, she pleaded with her son to go to these meetings. And so uh, her son attended one day and uh, Pulu just got off the platform, did what he knew, normally does in the middle of worship, and he walked, did, never met this young man, didn't know who he was, walked straight to this young man, took him by the arm and led him out the front and then went to others until there were 15, 20 uh, people out the front. Then he came out and said, all these people have got drug addiction problems. We're going to pray for them. They're going to be set free in the name of Jesus. Again, he gets someone else to come and pray the prayer. And he just walks around, just gently touches them on the head. And the moment he touches them, they're just set free. So Cliff was telling me, this was six weeks ago, this young man had been set free from drug addiction. He'd come back to the church the next Sunday, been at the front, repenting, sorting his life out. He'd had counselling uh, and ministry. Uh, and within six weeks, he was leading worship and he was totally involved and never missed a meeting and God had totally radically powerfully transformed this guy by that instant encounter with him. So it's an extraordinary sovereign move uh, of the Holy Spirit As, uh, and that's happening every day. I went two mornings, I just saw miracle after miracle after miracle, saw hundreds of people touched, blessed, inspired, set free by the power of God and uh, uh, as we walked out the, the second morning, there was this beautiful white uh, uh, Mitsubishi Pajero vehicle. I said to, to my friend Cliff, I said, wow, whose is that? He said, oh, that's some Pulu's. I said, oh, he's doing well then. He said, no, he said, um, the Prime Minister of Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe, gave him that vehicle. So I said, well, what happened then? He said, well... Robert Mugabe's uh, sister-in-law, his wife's sister, um, was rushed to hospital in Cape Town, South Africa, because she was dying with a heart problem and she needed an emergency operation. Uh, and it might not have even worked. It was that serious, uh, a heart problem. And she heard about Mpulu. And so they, uh, they, Cape Town is 1,500 miles from Durban or Peter Maritzburg, where these meetings were taking place. So they got in touch with Mpulu and said, will you come down and pray for Robert Mugabe's sister-in-law? He said, no. He said, God will not let me leave this work. This work is what I'm called to, not to rush off to pray for this one and that one. And so, um, but he said, I will pray for her if you bring her up here. And so she's on death's door with this heart problem, but they flew her up to Durban, took her by car to, to the meeting place in Peter Maritzburg, and she came into this warehouse, came just inside the door, and Pulu went to her, laid hands on her, prayed for her, said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. He didn't pray, he just put his hands on her head, said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Uh, and she said, is that it? He said, yes, you can go now, you're totally healed. And, 
and uh, she went and uh, she was completely totally instantly healed when she went back to Zimbabwe and told her brother-in-law the president the story he sent a car as a gift uh, to Mpulu for this incredible miracles I, I talked with the man I met with the man he's the most humble extraordinary person you could ever meet there's no airs and graces there's nothing arrogant about the man he's just overwhelmed with a sense of humility he's aware of his total dependence upon the holy spirit uh, that's why some days uh, the meeting's very short because he said god's not talking to me i can't do anything because so he very much lives by John 5:19. I only do the things I see the Father doing. So he only, as he hears, so he responds. And if he doesn't hear anything, he doesn't do anything. So he doesn't pray for everybody. He only prays for the people he feels moved to pray for. And they're just seeing this ongoing move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I say, you ask if you could take a photograph with him, and he won't let you. Not even a private photograph. You know, God's told me that I mustn't have it. It's nothing to do with me. I want to give him all the glory. So the media have been, newspapers have been, and they interview him and say, so how does this, it's all Jesus. Don't ask me. If you want to know anything about this, ask Jesus, because it's all him. It's nothing to do with me. I do what he tells me to do. So, you know, I'm not, you, if you want to publish articles, then ask Jesus. So, so there's nothing, he won't allow anything to be published because he believes that he, he'll lose the purity of this move of the Spirit. So uh, I'm looking forward to going back uh, to, to have another exposure to this extraordinary move uh, of the Holy Spirit. It's taking place. It's like the book of Acts happening today in modern uh, Africa, there in South Africa. So bless you. I hope that uh, inspires you to dare to believe that God could do it in your town, in your city. Yeah. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, when uh, Peter Bart shared that story in our home, uh, a very deep longing in my spirit rose. And I was listening to him, and I, I was kind of picking up, you know, the intensity of what he was saying and what God was doing in that place. But this deep longing was there in my heart. And I went into my bedroom, and I said this. I said, God, I have no one. No one who will think of sponsoring me. No one who will think of inviting me. I've never had opportunities to be in meetings like that. And yet, I've longed for years and years and years of being in meetings like that. And what touched me at this meeting is the purity of the meeting. No flamboyance, no show, nothing. It's the cry of my heart that we would see something so genuine and so true in our city. And that's the heart cry of my own heart. And I said this to the Lord, and I said, Lord, uh, you know, I just, this is my wish, this is my desire. If, if there be any door that opens, only you can open it. And I, I suckle it. That's the only thing. Who will I share it? I mean, who will understand that longing in my heart? So I just settled it with just talking to God, sharing and expressing my heart. And I left it. I went back and I had to listen to it again. I went back to it. I don't know how many times I've listened to it. About 15, 15 times I must have listened. Anyone comes to, uh, and talks to me, I said, listen to this video. Because it inspires me. What inspires me? Not what God is. Is, is Jesus presenting himself alive through Mompolo? 
And so, you know, I'm saying, look, you know what that is about? That's not about an individual. It's about the same Jesus who presented himself alive to the disciples. It's the same Jesus who's presenting himself alive to the people in South Africa. Through him. Through him. You believe that? I prayed this and I left it. One week or two weeks later, I'm very bad with details. One or two weeks later, I get a phone call. The most unusual phone call. And this person says, look, we're having a camp, a church camp. We would want you to be the speaker for the camp. And where's he calling from? Nigeria. Lagos. I said, yes, I'm coming. <laughs> and I thought to myself, out of all the years of my life, I've never had an invitation to go to Africa. Never. I wanted to, never had an opening. I see the need there. No, I took the invitation. Now people were saying, Ebola, this Ebola. I said, care, hoots, I'm going to meet Jesus. Whoever's bowling, whatever they're bowling, I'm going to meet with God. That's my agenda. I, you know, I was excited. So I called up Basil. And I said, Basil, I got an invitation to go to Lagos, uh, Africa. Is it possible for you to talk to Peter Ban to put in a word? You know, so that, uh, you know, I know him and he can make arrangements for that. He says, sure, I will do it. He says, give me some time, I'll call you back. He contacted Peter Byrne and Peter Byrne says, of course I'll do it. And the next thing I know, I get a mail. And he sends a mail to Cliff. Cliff is the person who organizes the meeting for him. And he has a big church. He's planted, I don't know, about 100 churches in that place. And this person is part of his church. So I get a, a mail from Cliff saying, Mighty man of God. I thought, <laughs> what? I, I'm thinking to myself, Peter, but I'm going to get you for this. I don't know what you told him. But he likes that. He says, I'm so glad to hear from uh, Peter, but what he shared about your life. Please come. We'd love to have you with us. I thought, wow, great. You know, to cut the story short, the way things worked out, our visas have come. And every day there's a growing desire in my heart. Lord, there's something you have in store for me. Something. You know, there's never, nothing can substitute the presence of God and the presence of God in an individual's life. I'm going there only with one purpose. I don't care how South Africa looks, whether it's beautiful or not. I'm just going there for four for five days. I'll just attend that meeting. And I will watch Jesus in action through another human being. And if God can do it in him, I'm sure the same Jesus who saved him, the same Jesus who forgave him, is the same Jesus who forgave us. And he can do it through us too. The city needs Jesus. This world needs Jesus. And we need to see an army of people who will stand up to reveal and present Jesus alive with infallible proofs and that's what this message is all about that we will be inspired we will be motivated not to play religion not to play church politics but our own single ambition is to present jesus alive to a dying world that's his heart that's what he wants to do and i want you church to pray 
This is a house of prayer. It's a time that we're going to pray and say, God, would you do that, Lord? May we have a visitation of your presence. May we begin to understand the very purpose of why Almighty God trusted us with the same Holy Spirit he gave to the disciples, he gave to us. Where are we missing it? We're missing it because we've forgotten the purpose. We've forgotten the purpose. May we come back to that place and say, Lord, use us, Lord. Use us. We worship you, Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, for opportunities that come in a very sovereign way, Lord, you open doors and I worship you. But this is the very thing that I've longed for for years. And I pray, Lord, that we will be a people who will never settle for any ordinary being a Christian life. But, Lord, the same Holy Spirit, the same Jesus who redeemed him, redeemed us. The same God who poured out his Holy Spirit then in South Africa is the same God who wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring us to that place to be available. That we will allow you to present, allow you to present Jesus alive to a dying world. And I pray, Father, that we will not lose an opportunity to lay a hold of what you have in store for us, Lord. All you need is yielded vessels. And all we need is your presence. And I pray, Lord, let the two meet, Lord. Let the two meet. Let the two meet, Lord. Let this church be known not for its building, not for the numbers, but let this church be known for your presence, the presence of God. That this church will have your address written on this place. That the world will know what you can do through individuals who are yielded to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will bless us. Your favor will rest upon us continually, Lord, and use us in Jesus' name. Amen. you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com. Our response to his love is worship. Worship him.